You are listening to Health Interventions for Your Practice, episode number eight. Health Interventions has been created by Marsha Kessner, MP, to help other nurse practitioners and medical providers grow their clinical practice and optimize patient care. Whether you are brand new, building your skills and confidence, or a seasoned provider looking to stay sharp in an ever-changing patient population, you will find real-world information to use in everyday practice. Health Interventions for Your Practice focuses on a solid evaluation, lifestyle management, and patient involvement. Hello, I'm Marcia Kessner, back again with more health interventions for your practice. My goal is to support other nurse practitioners and medical providers with knowledge and skill development in a way that is applicable and ready to implement into practice. I will be focusing on lifestyle management and patient involvement every chance I get. So let's get into this episode, this episode of how to maximize that 15 minute visit. Today, I'm going to cover how to organize yourself for the visit, how to guide that visit, and how to get in and get out with all you need, and of course, much more. So if you've been listening, the last episode was how to make that patient connection, how to start that very first visit to connect with your patient to improve patient experience, and how the benefits help you and your patient. There are many things that we have touched on along the way in this podcast so far that you might be thinking, oh my goodness, this is so much to take in and how am I ever going to fit all of this into a visit? If I get 15 minutes with my patient, how do I get, how do I ask them everything that needs to be asked in that 15 minutes? So what if I told you that most often That 15 minutes is more than enough time to get the information you need. What if I told you that I could make your visit very efficient? And what if I tell you that the patient would be satisfied with that 15-minute visit also? Hmm. Now, obviously, sometimes there are unforeseen circumstances to the situation and something may present that is more complex, but I'm talking about your general average patient experience, patient visit, patient follow-up. And if you're able to follow the steps to do a very concise, efficient visit that I'm going to lay out, it will also make your charting much easier. You'll be able to do templates, get a flow, get your rhythm going so that you will be able to be consistent when seeing your patients and go in a timely manner and make everyone happy in the end. Oh, and yes, you will gather all of that information you need. You're not going to leave anything out. The key to all of this is staying organized and having a system. How do you do that? You might say every patient visit is different, right? But are they? If you listened to the last episode, you will remember that I said, you guide the encounter. You guide the visit. This remains true no matter what the encounter is for. Whether it is the first one or each subsequent one, whether it is acute or chronic. And in an episode prior to that, I talked about doing your homework before each visit and always being prepared. That's going to make everything fall into place. 
So if you have not listened to those previous podcasts, go on back there and take a listen to them. Um, you might you might like what you have to learn. So to review um, those visits, though, that means before you go into the room, look at the important information. And here's what I do. I first, I will look at the date of their last visit. So I know that if what was scheduled was a follow-up, or if maybe something happened before our next schedule visit that has brought them in for this visit a little bit sooner. Then I take a look at the vital signs. Have they gained weight? Lost weight? Is the blood pressure stable? What's their heart rate? Is there a big change? If there is, my brain is triggered to ask about that. So I'll jot that down. I still like to kind of jot down a few things so that I can, you know, move very efficiently along the process. And this also helps with that charting at the end. I, of course, will review their past medical history real quick. Take a peek at their social history. Was there anything that we may have started in that last visit? Did I add a new medication? Did I take something away? Was there an abnormality in their lab work? Was there something that I wrote in my follow-up plan that we would address at the next visit? Or did I maybe give them a goal? Because if I did, I want to touch on that. I want them to know that I looked and that I do remember their last visit. So, and I have to say that I have worked closely with my medical assistants to streamline this um, process of a visit. If you're lucky enough to have a great medical assistant like I do, then you're golden. If you haven't worked to form a team building relationship with your assistant yet, I highly recommend that you do that. You go ahead and get started with that. Work with them. Build a team. Meet up to discuss your workflow. Help them to understand what you need done prior to the visit and in the process of bringing your patient back to the room. This small proactive step will make your life so much easier. And if you communicate, they know what you're thinking. They will bring them back. You'll know what they're thinking. Communication is key, whether it's with your patient or your team. They are a team. When I told you last of podcast that there was not a hierarchy with you and your patient, when it comes to the team approach, there's not a hierarchy with your team either. You may have different roles and responsibilities and different skill sets and different education levels. But you're a team in the end. And everything is a system. When things work like a well-oiled machine, you're actually more prepared for any glitches and you will know how to roll with it. You're still the team leader on how to roll with it. But you've got to set that stage. If you're working in chaos all the time, you're going to feel stressed and anxious and flustered. That's not good for you or the patient or your staff, I might add. And if your staff is not on your side, hmm, look out because they will make you or break you. And that'll be a whole different podcast we get into. So now that I've gathered my data and I know the patient is stable or if there's something that has changed that I need to address, I look at their medication list. I will already know in my mind if there is a medication that they're on that may be involved in what we are going to be addressing in this visit at hand. All of this process that I just outlined should take about two to three minutes. Because again, with a good medical assistant, all of your stuff is ready to go. If you have an electronic health record, all of the data should be in there for this quick review. 
If you don't, uh, make sure that your assistant has been trained to have everything on the chart that you're going to need. Any tests you may have ordered that have came back, you know, any updates in their history since the last time you'd seen them, like their past medical history, their surgical history, family history. Just, you know, take a quick look at that because they should be asking that and you should be reviewing that. So since we've already went through the making the connection in the first patient visit, I'm going to bypass that part for you again past episode, go back and take a listen. What I'm going to say is that I walk into the room, smile on my face, address them personally, ask them how they've been and address any other pertinent topics of familiarity. Then I'm going to review. I see that you're here for, and let's us say your diabetic follow-up as an example. Then I'll say, is that correct? And they will either say yes or no, of course. Then I will say, before we get into these numbers, is there anything else that you're concerned about today? Are we just doing your regular visit or has something else happened? You know, is there something else that you, you want me to do for you today or to maybe answer some questions for? The reason that I do this is so that if there is something new, which may take a little bit more investigation or time, I want to know at the beginning of the visit rather than at the end of the visit. You see, it's our nature to assume what the visit progression will be. Because when we scheduled that follow-up appointment, we did it with an intention. At the end of the previous visit, we have in our mind what we're going to address the next time. Typically, that's reviewing the labs and the status of any comorbidities. Then we will add a little bit of education in there or whatever else we may need to address. Patients don't always know that plan and they come in with their own agenda, but we have to accomplish all of it because new things do arise. It isn't always going to be just a follow-up and review. So now, if this is just a regular visit, no new complaints or concerns, I'll go into the numbers. And having done your homework, as I do mine, I will be able to, and you'll be able to, review in the following manner. I start with, I see that your blood pressure looks great. I'll give more numbers. I'll give them their blood pressure reading. Then I'll say, you've lost four pounds. Notice these are positive findings that I start with. I'm boosting the patient with the positive findings. Now, if they were worried about anything, I have given them some good feedback because, you know, there is that thing called white coat syndrome and people do get a little worried and anxious about their labs and what you're going to have to say to them. So when I give them that that good feedback, you know, they, they tend to sit back and relax just a little bit. They'll take a breath and, and we're ready to move on. So then I transition into anything that may be not so good, like your hemoglobin A1C went from 6.8 to 7.2. What do you think about that? How do you think that happened? I address that specifically. Then I start to guide the discussion by asking some very direct questions. Have you been under more stress than usual? Have you been eating out more often? Snacking between meals? Are you drinking soda or sweet tea? I try to really be pointed and directed about the things that can increase the hemoglobin A1C. That prevents the topic from getting off onto something that isn't relevant. So then we go into education and care plan development. If by chance the patient has been eating more snacks, I will go into some of the risks of an elevated hemoglobin A1C and what we can do to find a way to get that down. 
if it were an isolated elevation, I often will not make any medication changes. I will again partner with the patient to see what they believe is happening or what could be modified to make improvements. Again, including that patient. To this point, what we have done is create a tone for the visit. We have given positive reinforcement. We have given the numbers. We have started to address anything that may have interfered with their goals. And we have used the word we to show that this is a partnership. Do you see how this is working? I am asking the patient to take ownership into their own health with that questioning. I am not being confrontational or accusatory. We are discussing the situation. Then if they have more than one comorbidity, which usually they do, I will guide each thing in the same manner. I will inquire in a consistent fashion, starting with the positives and the things that may not need as much attention at that time. Then I transition into the things that will require more of our attention. Uh, This allows you to, to manage your time, just like asking if there's anything new when they first come in. So if their chief complaint is associated with any new symptoms, I will ask those direct questions as well. Instead of letting the patient ramble on about things that may not be of value to the treatment plan, I'll be specific. Like, are you having numbness and tingling in your feet? If they say yes, I will follow that with, well, does it go all the way around or does it go up and down? Does this happen to have back pain that goes with it? You you know, I'll, I'll do that. Like the things that you know will get you the answer to differential diagnosis or closer to the actual diagnosis through the differential, ask them in a way that brings that information out because they might not know what's pertinent because a lot of times patients will just, you know, they'll think it's not a big deal or not anything worth mentioning that could be that golden piece to what you want to know. So again, guiding the visit, asking the pertinent questions. Now for the assessment. How do you have time to do this too? Really? I just went through all this stuff and now you're going to do an assessment? And in 15 minutes? You can use your assessment piece as a way to manage any new positive review of systems or address anything that may not have been touched on. So kind of the last step mingles into this step. So with every concern, I try to summarize that at the end with summarize it all at the end with an etiology that I'm thinking about and what we can or cannot do about it. I will make my recommendations. I will ask if that seems doable or if there are any limitations to that. If there are certain limitations, we will see that we can do that, uh, what we can do about that within the patient's comfort level. And now, visit complete. And a lot has been accomplished. Now, go dictate that note with confidence, which is, by the way, another podcast topic that I will go over. (laughs) And a special bonus to this podcast specifically. You don't want to miss this. This is why you need to subscribe. Um, put go in there to the um, to my website and get subscribed for this podcast, uh, so that you don't miss anything and you don't miss those extra bonuses. Because if you shoot me your email address, then you're going to be in the system, so that when I launch these special things that we go over, that I can't really do like with a talking thing that like require the video, like how to you know 
fine tune your assessment skills. You want me to have your emails so that you don't miss anything. Um, so I'm going to be doing a video, as I just alluded to, for fine tuning your assessment skills. I want to be able to help you with an efficient assessment. They may pick up on clues as well as how to address these findings as you're doing the assessment to keep yourself on track. So to get access to that video, you're going to want to go to nphealthinterventions.com, put your email address in there, and then I'm going to ship it out to you. And so when it's ready, um, you're going to be able to download the video on your from your email. But for notes to today, um, we're going to, you can get those notes at nphealthinterventions.com forward slash eight for the podcast. And it's going to be a little review of everything we've done today and some links to all this stuff so that you can remember how to access those videos that are coming up. So, whew, another long one. I am sorry I keep taking so long on these topics, but I just really get excited and get into it. And I just want you to know as much as I possibly can let you know. And I kind of have to tell you that there was that little um, background noise of my watch talking to me because I talk with my hands. So if you feel that I'm really passionate about stuff, you can tell because you know I'm talking with my hands because you can hear Siri talking to me. So um I'm not pretty bashful, as you can tell. I'm not trying to hide anything. This is just me talking to you in the mic, and I'm hoping that it's helpful, just like we're sitting over a cup of coffee talking over some of these things that I have learned in my years of experience. So I want to thank you again for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Let me know if you're enjoying our podcast. Subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Share your thoughts with me. And if you're really feeling the love, give me a review so that other people can find this podcast and hopefully I can help them with their practice as well. You can find more of me and what I'm up to in healthinterventions.net or nphealthinterventions.com, whichever one you're easier to remember. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And while you're there, again, sign up for that newsletter so you don't miss any of it. Have a great week. May it be filled with many health interventions. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Health Interventions for Your Practice. If you like this podcast, please take the time to rate, review, and share. If you'd like more health interventions for your practice, you can visit mphealthinterventionsforproviders.com and sign up for the Health Interventions newsletter.